Man. I can't, I'm not even going to do an intro because I can't contain my excitement right now. It's draft day. CFL draft. Tonight. It's Tuesday. We're recording this on a Monday night. So I guess I personally right now still have one or a few more hours, I guess, to wait until the draft. But I, I am. Oh, dude. I have no words. I have no words. My uh, my laptop is working overdrive. I don't know if you can can you hear this if I put the mic up to the fan. No, I can't. It is just huffing right now. Mainly because I have our draft graphics are ready to roll for tomorrow or tonight, I guess. Um, I also have our draft one hundred spreadsheet up and running, which is not the biggest file, but Canva takes up a lot. Uh, and then I also have the draft list of CFL draftees so we can flip through and find people that we want to find. Uh, and Zoom. Zoom's a big one, too. So I am flying right now with my laptop. We're working. Uh, laptop's working hard right now. That means draft season. Draft season's here. And I guess because it is draft night, we should let all of our fine listeners know what is going on with us on draft night i saw first two rounds as always going to be on tsn but guess what rounds three to eight are going to be on tsn plus this year we're actually going to have access to be able to watch every single round of the cfl draft this year i saw a post come out first two rounds are going to be on tsn the next like the 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 rest of the draft is going to be on tsn plus after the first two rounds. So we got coverage. Full thing this year. I am confirming this because I don't believe you. Go ahead. But I am fact checking you right now on the air. Where to well, watch 2023 CFL broadcast info. Well, you do this. I'm going to let all of our. Wow. It's, it's oh, I'm, there. I'm fast. I'm already done. Okay. First two rounds, including commentary and in depth analysis, will be broadcast beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on TSN. Yep. Uh, rounds three to eight can be streamed live on TSN. So I'm guessing that we're dropping the commentary and in-depth analysis for five rounds or six rounds, I guess. Uh, no, Marshall will probably still be there. Um, Breaking it all down. Yeah, Dwayne Ford, Marsh, Jim Barker, uh, and the nail gun, Dave Naylor. No Davis Sanchez this year. Interesting switch to go Jim Barker. I guess he's been working in the front office for the last, you know, two years since he left TSN to rejoin the Argos. Coach. So that'll be nice. Uh, Global draft is also tomorrow starting at 11 a.m. No live streams for that, but I'm guessing that we're going to have the, uh, who is it? The defensive lineman (laughs) going going in the first spot this year the the kid from hawaii yeah yeah he was an absolute freak of the combine i think like i don't know the global draft is always a a fun one to me and it's always really funny because there are are very talented players in the global draft but it's just so hard to predict (laughs) who's going to go where who's going to be taken those sorts of things but we know one thing for certain special teams players will be selected in the global draft happens every year 
Uh, Connor, the Dinos de Santillo are still my favorite team of all time, so don't take that away. Great helmets. Um, Great helmets. The best. Well, I've gotten a lot of photos running right now, and I'm telling you, I have someone penciled in for 1.1. I'm shocked. Changed from our mock drafts because we had five Canadians drafted in the NFL draft last weekend. We did. That is the most, I believe I read, it is the most of all time, most Canadians ever selected in the NFL draft. And at that, they all went in the first five rounds too. So they were like... Yeah, none of this seventh round, Mr. Relevant No, BS. like all the Canadians... No, no, that went, we make contributors. Uh, no, so City Sal went first to no. the Patriots. Oh, sorry, sorry. My apologies. Matthew Bergeron went in round two uh, to the Falcons. So he was off the board day two only. And then uh, Sidney Brown went to the Eagles. Yep. At 66. I, I was leaving out the day tours. Uh, day three, we had uh, City South. At 117. Sydney to, City, yep. to the Patriots. Uh, then I believe Tavis Robinson got selected next. 124 to your Baltimore Ravens. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, then it was Chase Brown to the Cincinnati Bengals. At 163. And I like that, too, because, I mean, what the hell is going on with Joe Mixon right now? We don't really know. Chase to come in and at least earn some touches. He's, I don't know if he's going to be the starting back. But two times have... a year, Chase Brown can die. I'm just going to say that right off the hop. <laughs> Occasionally three times a year. Um, no, and then the uh, the final thing I would add as well is we had the John Mechie news where he is – Back in the facility, cancer free. Yeah, I think I saw. Love to see that. Yeah. Uh, so he's back. So kind of like an extra draftee since he missed his first year. And then we had Jared Wayne. And who am I missing here? Jonathan Sutherland. Jonathan Sutherland go as undrafted free agent signings to Seattle for Sutherland and to Houston for Jared Wayne. Another Canadian wide receiver to the Houston Texans. They're going to do some damage with CJ Stroud, second overall pick as well. Why are you promoting someone from that other school, Connor? I know. I know. I'm just saying they drafted him at number two. Um, Okay. So the reason that I have who I have penciled in right now, you know, I'm going to say it. Lawal Uguak penciled in first overall. I had City Sal last week. Fourth round pick, Connor. He is not going anywhere in that first round. No, I can and still I see Jared they, Wayne going, but what do you think? I don't know. Like to me, because especially the draft guys, because the draft guys went relatively high, especially you know your Matthew Bergeron's, your Sidney Browns, uh, even City Sow, I guess at one seventeen. Like to me, those guys are going to be given opportunities. Uh, even if they don't end up on the roster right away, I'm sure they're going to be practice squad guys. So I, I don't see them coming back in the near future. E- even same goes for, you know, Tavis Robinson and Chase Brown, who we just said is going to get opportunities to see some touches. Like, I, I think that really impacts their status for the draft. Like, I, I think the this now makes them probably, in my opinion, in my mind anyways, like, third fourth maybe territorial selections if they fall into any of the regions i don't know if any of them do 
and Jared Wayne and Jonathan Sutherland, like I think not in a bad way. I just think their stock drops a little bit for me as well, knowing that they're going to be given opportunities to stay on NFL rosters. Now, I, I don't know if Jonathan Sutherland's stock for me drops significantly because we were talking about this with Marsh, right? Like there are just so many Jonathan Sutherland's in the NFL already right now. So I think he is still worth a, a higher pick than, you know, maybe uh, a Tavis Robinson or even a city Sal, I guess. I'm saying third round for all these, all the NFL guys, third round. We did have some guys go to like get get rookie camp invites too, like Harrison Bagiogo, Cole Tucker, and Uguak, who you already mentioned, all got rookie camp invites. Kansas City for Bagiogo, Minnesota for Tucker, the Giants for Lawal. Um, do you, does that give you as much pause as a UDFA signing or even a draft no. pick? God no, Connor. We watch. I guess not North. if you're taking we watch taking Mark Uguak Cordy, first overall. We watch the Ford brothers, we watch who else in the last handful of years get a mini camp invite or two or three, like Trey Ford last year did a couple, I believe. Tyrell's got another one. Uh, this year he has another? I thought he Ty- signed this year. Tyrell Ford signed with the Packers, yeah. Yeah, that's a camp. That's not a rookie camp. No, no, you're right. It's like they signed him. Hmm. To camp, but the rookie mini camps, Connor. I have no pause. Congratulations! Go collect your shorts and t-shirt. Get in a little bit better shape than what you may already be in. Experience some cool things. Meet some cool people. Come back up, play football for a year, and then you know what? If in a year or two from now those teams come calling again, by all means, have at it. Uh, go live the dream. But in terms of draft stock, rookie camps don't phase me. No, I, I think I'm right there with you. I think I'm right there with you. Even like for me still, Jared Wayne getting the UDFA, like being signed as a UDFA with, with Houston. Signing I think, is different. Well, I, I like here here's where I'm going with this. Like in terms of because we've heard Ottawa link to Jared Wayne, Jared Wayne being kind of one of these guys that the Red Blacks have have their eye on like I I think this now just gives them a little bit more draft clarity a little bit more draft freedom they can now essentially do whatever they want with the first overall pick take a defensive lineman if they want take an offensive lineman and they still have you know four more picks coming up so you could take Wayne at 210 you could take Wayne at 212 if he's there you could package these and come up if you think you know Wayne's gonna go before you get the chance to get him at 210 and then, you know, you have territorial selection, which, again, you can get another good prospect there. But, like, even in the third round for Ottawa, it, it should Wayne fall that far because he's a UDFA? Or does this allow them to take a Cole Tucker, too, who only got a rookie camp invite? Maybe you take Cole Tucker now at, at 210 if he's there instead of Jared Wayne. Yeah, here's my question for you. At what point does... Jared Wayne with a UDFA signing, like I'm guessing, I didn't see the exact number he got, but I'm guessing he got a fair chunk. And if it's like Carter O'Donnell who got a fair chunk of change as a UDFA to go to the Colts, someone picked him with what 18th overall. He has never seen the light of day in the Canadian Football League. Uh maybe he will in a couple of years, but you're expired at that point. What point is it worth it to take Jared Wayne with a UDFA over a receiver 
like Clark Barnes, like a, I don't know. Let's go through it. Let's play, let's play a little mini game here to catch or not to catch. Uh, Paul Tucker or Jared Wayne with a UDFA contract. Paul Tucker. Clark Barnes or Jared Wayne? Clark Barnes. Oladejo. Jared Wayne. So that's where we're stopping, right? Like, well, I, I, if we're doing this for Ottawa, yes, because I think you have a very, if you want Oladejo, um, you have a very realistic chance to get him with that territorial pick. Like, if you really want him, you yeah, can get other, him right do it for there. Other teams, someone doesn't have the territorial, and like maybe they're in the mood for a receiver. Jared Wayne is you're still your wide receiver three, right? Or, or would you take Oladejo still? Because, like, to me, Jared Wayne was linked to 1-1, signs his contract. I now see him as wide receiver three in terms of draft value. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would agree with that. For me, I think now it goes Cole Tucker, Clark Barnes, Jared Wayne. Cole, Clark, Jared. Yeah, I'm good with that. Like, I, I think Cole is an intriguing prospect. I know we have Clark Barnes still as our wide receiver one in the draft 100. Um, but at the same time, Cole Tucker is extremely interesting. And there's going to be some team that jumps, especially after the success of Dalton Schoen last year. I know it's apples to oranges. But American guy, American school, comes in and makes a huge impact. Whereas Clark Barnes, you may value more as a Keandre Smith, who was, you know, somewhat productive, built into a good system, good receiving core, but still had his moments. And I think that's actually a really accurate comparison for Clark is his running mate, Keandre, compared to what, or based off of what they were able to do at Guelph together. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like when you look at the three Guelph receivers, and I mean, obviously we're talking about Keith Schaefer Baker as the third in here. Like to me, comparing Clark Barnes to either one of those two, and again, we talked about this uh, earlier, or I guess late last week with Marsh. To me, you're right. Like a lot of the things that Clark Barnes does, a lot of his skill set is more of a Keandre Smith. Whereas Keen Schaefer Baker is like your big body 50 50 ball kind of over the middle downfield type wide receiver, where Clark Barnes is just pure speed, pure agility, pure playmaking. And you want to get him kind of underneath or get him those short route opportunities where the ball is in his hands quickly. And then he has an opportunity to kind of make a, make a play in space. Yeah. I, I don't, the receivers are interesting to me because. We've had these last handful of years where we got our uh, Dejan Brissettes. And then we get our big targets like the Philpots last year. And then this year, nobody really separates themselves. I guess it's kind of the same in the NFL draft, right? Like nobody separated themselves through and through during the process. And it leaves a lot of open-ended questions and teams will be able to pick kind of their flavor of the month i guess when it comes down to it yeah the uh I, i'm with you like the the receivers to me are just it's difficult to to figure out who's gonna go where who is the true true one i mean we won't really know until tomorrow night around this time but 
the other question I have now with the draft after the way the NFL draft and the way that the, the free agent signings played out, what is Edmonton going to do with the second overall pick? Jonathan Sutherland, the guy who we both had penciled in there, Chris Jones prototype, arguably no longer available? Uh, second round. I think to me, to me, this is where if he's available, a guy like Francis Beamy should go. Francis Beamy? Yes. At two overall? To Edmonton, if he's available, yes. Look, Edmonton has three pick two. If Sutherland's not gone in the second round, that's who they'll grab. Start of round three. Uh in turn. I don't know, for number two overall. It's a tough, like, there's no, I don't know. We, yeah, it's it's tough to figure out now for me what Edmonton's going to do there. Do you want defensive line help for a guy like Jake Serezna? Do you want to sure up your offensive line and make sure that uh, the corn man has all the time in the world to to throw? Do you want to get some DB help? Because I, I do think they need, a I think true that's playmaker. So do you just trade down and, and get some DB help? So what I, I DB is trade, worth taking okay, at so, second overall? No, no. Here's where the here's where the draft starts to change. So if Ottawa takes Lawal Uguak, one one, Edmonton needs to look for a trade out. But who is going to trade up to two? It's going to be someone that wants an offensive lineman. Here's where we see. Trey Ford and the second overall pick go to the Toronto Argonauts in some sort of insane deal. No, no, you're not trading not. Trey and absolutely the number not. two pick. No, maybe they'll like maybe they trade out Toronto. A Toronto doesn't have the draft capital to even make this possible. Ah, oh, they do, they could trade a future first, I suppose. But look, and what do you give Montreal up? What do you give up, up if you're Toronto? First next year, second this year, and maybe a DB because you've actually built yourself a good American DB roster over the last couple of years. But no, like to me, the question is who needs an offensive lineman bad enough that they need to jump Saskatchewan to take Dante Bull? Is it Montreal? They give up one of their firsts and then move. But does Montreal need offensive line that badly? I don't think, I think they so. do. I don't I think, think so. to me, to me, Montreal's immediate need, they were they had the third fewest interceptions, they had the third fewest sacks in the league last year. To me, their their needs on defense somewhere. Cause that ship needs to be that ship needs to be righted. <laughs> you cannot you cannot expect to be a great cup caliber team and not be forcing turnovers, not be getting into the backfield and creating disruption. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think anyone really, like, Edmonton might be, maybe Edmonton is the ones that, that take Dante Bull then. Because to me, if Lawal goes, he is he's the top player. Maybe they, I don't know. Two seems a little high for Baggy Yogo to me. That's my only pause. Like, if they were at five and we were having this question, I'd be like, oh, they just take Harrison Bagiogo. No problem. Off we go to the next one. But now that we have 
them at second, this could really change. Chris Jones will try to package some deal. For what, for who, with who, those are the questions that we we just don't know. Interesting times. To me, Sutherland to me, Sutherland to Edmonton was was an absolute lock before he signed a UDFA deal. It was. And now I just maybe, don't know what to maybe do. it still is. And Chris Jones says, well, likelihood is he comes up. Likelihood is he's here by the end of the year. If not, punt on the pick anyways. Because that I don't think they're getting traders. So maybe it still is Sutherland. And we're just overthinking this. And Chris Jones has his shades on at 8 at night as we record this. Just plotting. Now, if Ottawa goes Cole Tucker at one, it's an automatic for the wall. Run the card. Yeah, absolutely. You call the commissioner and you say, "Give me that man." Yeah, within two seconds of your clock being on the on the go, and then that's still yeah. The thing I like with football is your free agent decisions somewhat telegraph your draft. And what I mean by that is like, we know Edmonton isn't taking a receiver. No. Because why on God's green earth would they need one with the core they have stacked up? Right? (laughs) I don't, yeah, they don't, they don't, they just went out and got Gino. They had talented wide receivers there before that as well. Like they do not need, Wide receivers and again, they don't need like any I, offensive skill players. And conversely, Saskatchewan, you need offensive linemen badly. That, that need is not corrected based on your free agent moves. So, so I, I, I love think, that. I because think Saskatchewan can hold tight and get Dante Bull at three if that's their guy. I think so too. The only way is somebody jumps them with Edmonton. Which I can see Chris Jones 100% doing just to screw someone over. Kind of like what Bill Belichick did last week with the Steelers and the Jets. Oh, wait, you need a tackle? Oh, hey, Pittsburgh, you guys want to trade up? Take a tackle? Yeah, sure. Okay, go for it. All of a sudden, the Jets are like, well, crap. (laughs) I don't know. Calgary, I'm still mulling over. I still don't really know what Calgary is going to do there. Somebody like I I did say, I think, you know, front seven is is a need for Calgary for me with the losses that they have. They did again, bring in some, some good replacements like a Julian Hauser, but again, like, could they go wide receiver here? Yeah, sure. I could see them maybe doing it, but to me, it's not an immediate need. They have 16 wide receivers rostered already. Like, I don't think that, drafting a receiver at four here makes sense to me and again like earlier on we had a guac here which i think would make some sense maybe again if if he's available a beamy but late courting more is this is four high for late courting more do you think no i don't i don't think so i don't know if he's a weird one as much as we like him as a project and i'm using the over overstretching we as much as we like him as a prospect there's this uniqueness to his body type to his gameplay that really makes it 
like uh beauties in the eye of the whole beholder. I kind of look at it, NFL draft parallel. Lucas Van Ness, the guy the Packers picked. A lot of people are like, oh my God, what an awful pick. No, no, it's fantastic. They run a true 3-4. He's a 3-4 defensive end who can play inside, but also get after it if you put him on the edge. He's physical. He's strong. He is fast enough. He has good hands. He's just what Green Bay needs in their scheme. Pair him with Rashawn Gary and go. Great pick. But with late Cordy Moore, it's who has the fit, who has the need, and where does it align? I just don't know. Like, I don't even know if it's Montreal or if it's Winnipeg at eight as I'm looking here. But to me, like, BC would be a fit, but they drafted the Twins. I'm I'm holding firm. I think BC is Jake Taylor for me. Yeah. I, I no, guess I just, like, last... want... One more reason one more to watch pick. BC Lions football, but one more pick. He can go top the second round. It's okay. The auto you just you just yeah. You <laughs> just want to be able to get there and watch gate watchman games this year. Correct. <laughs> I do, Connor. That's I a biased pick. Win. And I'm not it mad is. about it. And guess what? I'm standing by it. If I'm right tomorrow with my biased pick, oh man. Won't hear the end of it. Won't hear the we're end of it. To, we're gonna have to drive to Ottawa in like two weeks and go for dinner. It's true. This is this is gonna become like the ice cream thing for Braden and CFL Reddit. Yeah, except we're not promising it like three thousand <laughs> people. We're promising one person who actually is agreed to do it. It's just a matter of finding time. The other lock I have in this CFL draft, Michael Broderick to the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, just right? it just has to happen, right? Five and seven, and then has to like, happen. Five seven thirteen, and again, is this is this maybe? Do we see Montreal like? I don't. I don't necessarily think you need to try to come up because you do have five, and I don't know if like I, I don't think anybody in the first four picks is taking Michael Broderick. Maybe Calgary. Maybe, but again. We heard that Francis Beamy was very impressive at the combine. Wauguak might be there if Ottawa doesn't take him, if Edmonton doesn't no. take him. He's one that if he's there at five, I'm shocked. Yeah. Like Bryce you, Young. If Bryce Young wasn't one overall, he wasn't getting past three. It's true. It's true. I, I don't know. This is I think going into this draft, this is the most uncertain that I've ever been before before a draft and in the what three three four years we've been doing this this is the most uncertain i think i've ever been oh my god this is draft number four for us wow yeah um connor i would say last year's first overall pick was easy with tyrell richards because it's like oh okay he's the best defensive player name your position (laughs) <laughs> maybe not D tackle, but DN. Yep. Linebacker. Yep. DB. Sam, yep. yep. Um, where it really changed for me last year was Zach Pelios too. Nobody saw that one coming. 
And I think that they made a great pick and he's going to work out for them. Um, but nobody saw that one. If I may be so bold, can I give you my like Zach Pelios type pick for this year? The guy yes. that I think is just like this On is his like draft riser. This is like the Zach Pelios, like the Pete Nicastro pick. This is my like my guess at who's gonna be that guy in this year's class. Go. Dayton Black. Yeah. I think Dayton Black's gonna easy... come up a lot higher than people think he's going to. Well, now that City Sow and Bergeron are gone, you got Phil Grohovac, Dante Bull, and Dayton Black. I think, if I may be so bold, Dayton Black might end up being the first offensive lineman to come off the board. Who's Saskatchewan? I back it. I'm on this. They have Saskatchewan has a long history. I think I tweeted this out a little while ago. Saskatchewan I saw someone a, again today, too. Saskatchewan has a long history of taking Canadian offensive linemen early in the CFL draft. Like, I think it goes back to at least, like, 2017, 2018 I was looking at. Maybe not that, maybe not that far, but I think around then. Uh, all right. I guess I'm kind of pushed into this, too. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that we're going to see Emmanuel Obogay-Gion from Ottawa. Not first round, not second round. Like, high third round, I think he's going to be snatched up. And, I mean, high third round is still, like, picks 21 to 29. It's still pretty high. It's not as, as big of a jump as yours. Uh... I think Lucas Cormier has a good shot as well. But I have one more bold prediction, but I'm going to let you go with your second prediction first. I think we might end up having the same bold prediction on this one. I think that Luke Burton Cron is going in at no later than the third round. <laughs> Shut up. I'm going specialist too. And guess what, Connor? It's not effing J.J. Molson. It's not that scrub from UCLA <laughs> who kicked 45% from his field goals. No, no. Connor, this time, it's a legitimate kicker. Someone who can hit from 55 plus. Campbell Fair. Campbell's chunky suit, baby. Campbell Fair, fourth round. Kickers are people, too. He can do all three aspects of the game. You know what? The most impressive part of Campbell Fair's season was not the pregame 75-yarder or 70-yarder, whatever it was. It was not the game winner against Laurier. It was in the playoff game at Queens, kicking directly into a blistering south wind off of Lake Ontario. And he is punting spirals to the numbers with hang time and depth. Connor, he can do all three phases for you. I know teams don't like rostering a kicker that can do both. I don't know. People just kind of moved away from that. But Campbell Fair is a three-faceted kicker. You can get kickoffs, field goals, and punting from him at a high level in all three. I'm excited to see where this kid lands. 
he's going to go into a camp and impress immediately. I think he has a swagger about him, which as a kicker, you absolutely need to establish yourself and be successful. And he also has the same coaching tree and background as Money Lou, Lewis Ward. Not going to hear any arguments from me. I'm talking Ken Andreas from Kingston to you, Ottawa. They followed the same path, went the same way, and now Campbell Fair will be following him into the CFL. Not at Ottawa because Ottawa still has Lewis Ford, but Campbell will be going somewhere. Hey, I like it. I like it. You're not hearing anything from me. I'm not gonna not gonna argue that one. I think uh, it, it, like if I may throw like an honorable mention here for draft risers. I don't know if this is necessarily like all that shocking of a of a prediction, but I think Anthony Bennett is gonna come up pretty high too. Like I think uh, I think Anthony Bennett is gonna is gonna come in a little bit higher than maybe expected. I've liked Anthony Bennett for the last couple of years. I have talked about him a lot on our Dang podcast. Good player. I think I'm getting cold feet. Really? Yeah, I don't. Nothing wowed me with him in this process. Everything was just kind of, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. But when we look at some of the other defensive linemen, like a Michael Broderick linebacker, D lineman, he's a pass rusher. Or like an Aiden John, or like a Reese Martin, where there was some moments where I was like, oh, wow. Okay, sure. That's awesome. Late Cordy Moore. Yeah, wow. Athletic is all get it. There's something to those boxes being checked with emphasis. And it's not that, you know, Anthony Bennett's slow and out of shape and doesn't care about it. No, no, he's in shape. He's got good speed, got good strength. He cares about his football path, clearly leaving the States coming up here. Um, But I don't know. Nothing's everything. Everything is something is what I keep coming back to with him. And there's just something fishy. I can't put my, my finger on it. I don't know what it is. But to me, Connor, Anthony Bennett is our Logan Bandy of this year's draft. Where we like him a lot, but something says, hold your horses. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll have to make an off-air wager on Anthony Bennett. I think he's going high. You're here for dinner tonight as we watch the draft. Uh, Damn, what am I going to wager you? I can't give you a lightsaber for a week because I need it for May the 4th. (laughs) (laughs) I can't give you my animals because... I don't know. I don't know. I think that they would want to go. I don't have anything to give you. We'll We'll figure figure it out. out. We'll figure it out. But no, I mean, do you have anyone to you that you've kind of cooled your jets on? I think the big shocker is Keon Edwards. If we're going to talk about someone that may slide. And this one to a casual football fan of, University football in Canada. 
is going to be a head scratcher. But there's two things working against Keon Edwards. Three things, I guess. One is the devaluation of running backs. Okay, like we have Chase Brown at number two. We have Adam Williams at 22. We have Keon Edwards at 32. And Thomas Bertrand Houdon at 41. I don't know. When you look at Chase Brown's NFL draft, okay, this is a weird year. Connors Lyons decided to take a running back at 12th overall. Bijan Robinson went eighth overall to a team that was fifth in rushing last year. Can't explain either pick. Running backs have been devalued at a steady rate over the last, I don't know, six, seven years. And with Keon Edwards, he did not test well. He did not assume command at the combine. After not testing well, people, I think, kind of said, well, he'll just, he'll turn it on when they get to the team drills because he's Keon Edwards and he's a OUA MVP and he's the leading rusher, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen. So devaluation, not the best combine. I also think, Connor, that there's a part of Edwinati that is really hurting Keon Edwards right now. For the first time in their career, they are hurting one another. Yeah, I think uh, Edwinati certainly has a opportunity in front of him to be certainly one of the best ball carriers in the OUA, but one of the best ball carriers in in U Sports next year. If we're talking about guys that you know, maybe I'm shying away from, or maybe getting cold feet on, uh, as you said, like for me, it's Jacob Biggs a little bit, like. Again, like we we know what he is in coverage, we know what he is in, in the Can West. Uh, like he is a, a damn good DB, but this is a, a really strong and really athletic DB class. Like he just didn't do like, I don't know, I hate to say this, but he didn't do enough at the combine for me to to really stand out and kind of set himself above the rest, like a guy like Jake Kelly might have, right? Like Again, Jake Kelly looked good in coverage, tested off the charts. I think Jake Kelly did himself favors, whereas Jacob Biggs didn't do anything wrong necessarily, but it didn't kind of help his stock for me. Well, like, it's what we talked about with Marshall after the combine too, right? Like, you hate to be a Robert Panabaker in this draft because you're a solid DB. Length is your A-plus feature but there's about 10 other DBs in this draft that have length as an A-plus feature and, and, and. Yeah. Jacob Biggs is good length, and he's really good in short area acceleration and speed, like his three-cone and his shuttle. Cody Hale has length, and he's physical and can play multiple positions. Jake Kelly has length and is an A-plus athlete. I'm going through our list here. Jackson Ford is long and supposedly very intelligent, highly intelligent. Uh, Lucas Cormier, nose for the ball and super long. Charlie Ringland, always at the football and super long. Like Harrison Baggio, lockdown corner and super long. And I 
then we get to Sidney Brown and it's like, okay, he's not super long, but he runs faster, jumps as high, benches more, and has played football at an extremely high level in the Big Ten for the last four years. Okay, never mind. He doesn't need length. It's true. There's just, yeah, like there's so many athletes in this year's DB class, which makes it a lot of fun, but makes it pain in the ass to try to figure out who's going to go where as well. I have them like on my screen here in the top 100. We have them in like chunks, but I don't mind it. I like chunks. Chunks easier to study. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I don't want to beat a dead horse, Connor. But there's one other player that I have talked to you off the ledge of. I don't think he's going. Oh, Alex Fedchen. Maybe a team takes a flyer in a late round. Yeah, man. What a what a drop off. Honestly. It's never been a drop off. <laughs> wow. That's your opinion. It is, and I'm I'm certainly willing to listen to others on this, like I have listened to you on this, but at some point, it's like Savon Magne-Jones, uh, which we can get to if you want. I really like the player at youth sports level, but when you transition, everyone's bigger, everyone's faster, everyone's stronger. They're all the best on their team. Or close to it. That's where I start to struggle with some of these players. Like an Alex Fetchin. Yes, you're fast. Yes, you had great production at the AUS level. But you're undersized there. What happens now when you step up to the CFL and you go against a Jacob Ruby, who is literally two and a half times your body weight? No, not two and a half times. That's a bit much like 1.75 times your body weight and three times your strength. Marsh didn't even mock him in his like full eight round mock draft. So did you see, have you ever seen Jacob Ruby's hands? They're massive. Dude, the guy could palm like an exercise ball. That's how big is it? <laughs> like Swiss ball. Like you just palm it like he's palming a basketball. I know you can get in because like they're kind of soft, but imagine that. <laughs> no, I uh I guess we can talk about Savon Mag. we're hammering the Western Mustangs, but we're not talking about the Phil Grohovacs who's gonna get drafted. We're not talking about the Elliot Beamers who's gonna get drafted. I still think Robert Panbaker will be picked. I just feel bad that there's like a thousand other TBs that have the same skill set as him yeah usually he would be a unique player yeah no it's a it's it's a tough class to be a db for sure um yeah i mean like there, i don't really think there's too too much to say about Savon magnet jones like he's a again a really good talent he was a really talented player in the oua really damn good receiver but he also had one of the best quarterbacks in u sports throwing him the ball which you know when you have a guy like evan hillock behind center, the things he can do, his arm strength, the way he sees the field, like it's pretty, pretty favorable to be a wide receiver when, when he's slinging the ball. But I, I just think, you know, size at the end of the day, size is what hurt Savon Magne Jones. Sure. We've had smaller receivers in past 
combines. And I think, you know, we talk about Gavin Cobb a lot. But to me, Gavin Cobb's the exception. He's not the rule. And and Savon Magna Jones, like he came in at at five six and he met or he weighed in really light. And I just think, you know, that doesn't do any favors. We talked about a guy like Alex Fetchin, you know, coming in a little light. He he's a tall guy, but you know, he's thin for his position. Well, same thing kind of goes for Savon Magna Jones. He's a really explosive, really talented athlete, but He's five six, and he's trying to play wide receiver at the CFL position. You know, what's he going to do when these really long corners, really physical DBs line up over top of? How's he going to get off the like? How's he going to get off a jam? How's he going to get off the line? Like, those are just some of the questions that I have. I think okay, even the DBs in his own class were super long. Like, here's here's my here's my thing with Savon Magnet Jones, my guy Colton Clawson, two years ago. The first year we started, three years ago. Second year we were on. Colton Clawson. Short, explosive playmaker. What could Colton Clawson do? Kicks, punts, running, catching. Four-trick pony. He could score any way you wanted him to. Savon Magna Jones is a deep threat. He's a really good route runner. But we don't know if he can return. As well as Colton Clawson does. Western Mustang fans, do not come at me because Colton Clawson almost single-handedly destroyed you in a national semifinal. I will hold my water on that. Uh, but for Savon Magdan Jones, when you want to return, you're going to be taking a lot of big hits. Like if a Hallett on Winnipeg, name your Hallett, lines up and times up in the five-yard halo, they get a straight run at you. That's a big hit. I I think that CFL teams want someone who might be a little thicker to field those, even though Savon Magnet Jones could athletically house a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's kind of the same thing as we were saying with Panna Baker and the DBs. Same thing goes for Savon Magne Jones and, and the wide receivers in this class, in a class with Jared Wayne, Cole Tucker, Clark Barnes, uh, Sebastian Howard, Daniel Oladejo, the list goes on and on and on. Like, I just don't know. A, I don't know if there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams in this draft. So I don't know how many draft spots there really are for wide receivers. And when there's already five to six receivers ahead of Savon Magne Jones, arguably more like I, I don't know where the draft spot is for him could a team bring him in as kind of a camp invite absolutely I think that that could happen but I just in a in an already athletic wide receiver class with a draft year that doesn't seem to have a lot of need for wide receiver outside of maybe a, a two three teams like I just don't know how many wide receiver spots are going to be I don't know how many teams are going to be taking wide receivers in this draft yeah, I, I'd rather have a Willie Pierre Dimbongi from Ottawa at the next level than a Savon Magne Jones. Size, special teams value, yeah, I, I think so too. Nate Taylor's kind of guy. Yeah, and you know <laughs> if they're coming from that, you know if they're coming from that that system that they're going to be able to play specials. There's a emphasis on the third phase of the game over there, certainly. 
Yeah, man. It's uh it certainly is interesting, but as we get into the eleventh hour, the draft is here. Hold your horses because we don't know. Last year it was this day that Chris Jones decided to make a big move. What surprises will we have in store? We don't know. We'll have Straight to see. forward to the Toronto Argonauts. Call it out louder, Connor, one more time, <laughs> just so we have it ready to go. Uh, trying to speak it into existence. But, yeah, I think that, that covers it off for this episode. I think uh, we've talked everybody's ears off about the CFL draft. But if you if you do want to follow along with us, we will be doing some kind of round-by-round recaps. Some of our favorite picks, we'll be posting them. Uh, posting all the selections on on social media as well throughout the night so tune in to cf perspective tomorrow night we might even be doing some instagram live stuff and some instagram live stuff with showtime digital so stay tuned for that as well wade we do have a new new sponsor sponsor. to announce as well what just Uh, close out the episode here noodle premium snapbacks redesigning how you wear hats uh, custom fit snapbacks that can go to larger sizes. Uh, they they can go well past beyond. So if you have a big head like me and, you know, sometimes snapbacks just don't fit. I tend to stay away from them when I buy them. Because of that, I'm very picky. Noodle hats absolutely fit the bill. Uh, so head over to noodle.store. Check them out. Buy one, support them. Uh, you'll never wear a different hat. They're way comfier than anything else. Super excited for that. Super excited to be to be partnering with Noodle this season. Also got to show some love to Fox 40. They've been with us through a lot. Fox40shop.com, the worldwide leaders in whistle tech. Make sure you are geared up properly for whatever season it is for you, whether it is hiking and camping, whether it is football, whether it is soccer, baseball, whatever you are playing, Fox 40 has you covered. And so do we at checkout. Use code CFP15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's fox40shop.com. Use the code CFP15 to get geared up. Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle tech. That's it. That's all. Enjoy the draft, everybody. We will be recapping this thing on Thursday.